0: Hey, good morning, Homestead Church. We're glad you're with us today on this awesome Sunday morning. Um, I am preaching to you on video this morning from the new building on the new staircase. If you can believe, I'll wait for your applause to die down. If you can believe that, we have stairs. Now, if you're just joining us and you're new to Homestead Church, you don't know how big of a deal this is. We've been waiting for stairs in this building um, since about five years ago. No, since last September, we were trying to get stairs in and now they're in. And so you, um, you might not realize this, but I've learned this. Stairs are a big deal. Uh, You're not going to, you know, stairs aren't just in any old building. Not every building has stairs, so... Uh, I've learned that they are nearly impossible to get, and we've got them. So we're excited to use both levels of our building to walk up and down. It's It's a good day. So we're celebrating stairs today. We are continuing our series um, talking about the adventures of Paul. Uh, These are stories found in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul, as he is traveling around the world sharing the gospel, Um, Paul had a miraculous conversion experience. Going from the chief persecutor of Christians to now traveling around proclaiming the gospel. Um, But here's the main point that we've been trying to highlight is this. This idea of an adventure of faith, um, a great God adventure, is not just for the Apostle Paul or the people whose names are in Scripture or for the professional ministers today. Um, This is something that God has for you, for each of us. This idea of giving your life to him and then just following after him in a great adventure of faith. So uh, week one, Christy preached on that conversion experience, that great conversion, and then the missionary journeys that Paul went on. Last week, we talked about the story of Paul and Silas in prison. How they had gone through these amazing stories of casting out evil spirits and seeing people miraculously saved and traveling to different continents to preach the gospel. And then they're in prison. And then they get thrown in prison and they begin to worship and the prison doors fly open and chains fall off and the jailer gets saved and his whole family gets baptized. That was a great adventure. That's what we talked about last week. Today, I want to talk about a story in Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. This is when Paul was traveling through Greece, specifically in Athens. Um, He is sharing his faith as he has done throughout this missionary journey. But today what I want to look at is how he shared his faith in a very different context, in a very different culture, how the method of him sharing his faith adapted. So I want to look at this. with this lens, that sharing our faith with others, preaching the gospel to others, telling others about Jesus, is what we do. This is, again, something not just for the professionals. This is something as disciples that we do. And I know for a lot of us, that is something that it makes you a little uncomfortable thinking about. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never thought about doing that. This is something that we need to do as followers of Jesus. So I want to look at this story, see what we can learn about sharing our faith. So we're going to start in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17, and it says this. Paul is waiting for Timothy and Silas to join us, so that'll make sense here when I read this first sentence. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. One thing that jumped out at me as I read that. So he's in Athens, and he's noticing this culture is full of idolatry. There are statues and idols and gods that are being worshipped everywhere. And I love that it says in this translation, the NASB translation, his spirit was being provoked within him. His spirit, the Holy Spirit alive in him was speaking to him in that moment. He was looking around and noticing that this was an opportunity, again, to share his faith. One of the things that's going to happen to you as you walk with the Lord, as you have the Holy Spirit in you, is you're going to be in moments like that where your spirit is being stirred or provoked. Maybe it's at a store that you go to all the time and there's just something about that day where you're talking to someone and you're going to feel something in your spirit I believe that's the Holy Spirit provoking your spirit as he did to the Apostle Paul saying, tell him about your story. Tell him about Jesus. This is what happens to the Apostle Paul. This is what will happen to you. You'll sense the Holy Spirit. One thing about the Greek culture, it was very intellectual and philosophical. There would be leaders and educated people in Greece, in Athens, And they would spend time just talking about different philosophies, different viewpoints, different ways of life, different thinking, different religions, all these things. They would just like to debate things. So this is what happens. And they also didn't want to close themselves off to anything that might be truth. So that's why they had all of these idols everywhere. And they even had one that Paul noticed that said, to an unknown God. It's their way of saying, we've got All of these gods that any of us have ever heard of. And in case we're missing one, here's a statue for them so we can can worship this one god that's the unknown god in case none of these other ones are correct. So Paul is discussing this with some of the intellectuals and some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles that were there. And some leaders, some leading intellectual thinkers heard Paul and they said, we want you to come with us. We want you to come to this place where we gather and we talk about all these things because this is a new idea, a new philosophy that we want to hear more about. And I think they just wanted to debate and talk about it and and talk about how smart they were. So this is what happens. Paul gets brought to the Areopagus, this part of Athens where the intellectual people would gather and just discuss and debate. It was all talk, 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 talk. That's all they would do. So I want to read to you what Paul said to them. In Athens, in Acts chapter 17, it's verse 22 through 31. I'm going to read you the whole message of what he said. All right. And we're going to get a glimpse of how Paul contextualized his message, how he adapted his method to reach these people. So Acts chapter 17, verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens... I see that in every way you are very religious. He's striking common ground with them. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations so that they would inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. So he's setting up the supremacy of God. One true God who made everything. Continues in verse 27. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far off from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Again, it's about one true God. Everything we do is about him. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He's quoting their own poets, their own literature to them. Again, another way that he is contextualizing his message. Verse 29. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by a man he has appointed, talking about Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is the message that Paul proclaims in Athens. And I want to look at this and learn a few things about how we can share our faith in the world that we live. So here's what I want to do as we look at Paul's message. Is I want to look at a couple of things first that he did not do. Here's some things that Paul didn't do upon encountering all that he did in Athens. The first thing he did not do is Paul didn't run around angrily smashing all their idols. He didn't get angry and defensive and saying, I can't believe you're worshiping these false gods. We've got to get rid of them. There's only one true God and you guys are all doing it wrong. You guys are living wrong and I'm here to tell you how to live right. He didn't see the idols as a threat. Too often, I think Christians today feel that we need to protect God somehow. If somebody is disrespecting God, now we should always honor God with our lives. But I think too often we think we need to protect God, like our God is somehow fragile. Like if we don't stand up for him, he's just going to cower in fear that somebody is not living for him. Our God made the heavens and the earth. Our God is the one true God that makes everything, that is Lord over everything. He doesn't need our protection. Again, we can honor him, we worship him, we serve him, but he is not a fragile God. We don't approach others who do not believe in God with a fight mentality out of defensiveness. Like we got to prove them wrong because they're disrespecting our God. One thing that Paul says is to an unknown God is he recognizes that they are seeking. They're seeking after something and he acknowledges you're seeking after something. You just don't know what you're seeking. We talked about this last week, how God is stirring in the hearts of people different things. And even though they might not know what they're seeking after, they're seeking But the biggest thing that I I see in this is that Paul recognizes they just don't know. They just don't know. We talk about people in the Christian world as people who are lost. And that sometimes in our Christian world, in our Christian language, takes on a negative connotation. Oh, those lost people. But when you think about someone who is lost, they just don't know the way home. That's what that means. They just don't know. So we shouldn't seek after people and go at them with a fight mentality, go at them with defensive anger. We should just see them as they're lost. They just don't know. They're not our enemies. Today, um, as we are, you know, talking about this Athens culture with all their statues of God, in our world today, we don't have a lot of statue idols in our culture, in our American culture. There's not a lot of statues that people are bowing down to worship. However, That is not to say that we are not without idolatry, because there is idolatry in our culture. Things that would be idols in our culture would be money, celebrity or fame, famous people, beauty, knowledge, power, self. These are all idols in our culture. We don't have statues for them, but if the Apostle Paul was walking around, he would say, man, this culture is rampant, With idolatry. So, another thing that Paul did not do, the first one is he didn't angrily smash all their idols and start yelling at everybody. The second thing that Paul did not do was incorporate their idolatry into his message. And what I mean by that is this he didn't use the message of Jesus Christ as a way to satisfy their idolatrous desires. In other words, he didn't say, you want to be smart and have knowledge? Well, put Jesus in your life and then you'll be super smart and you'll have all the knowledge. He didn't take what they were seeking as an idol and say, Jesus is the way to get that. In our world today, it's it's important that we never use faith in Jesus as a way to satisfy any idolatrous desires that we have. If people are seeking after money, you would see this in an overly prosperity gospel presentation where you would say, hey, bring Jesus into your life and he's going to make you rich, richer than you can even ever imagine. Or if celebrity and fame, we see that in our, in our culture where certain ministers or certain worship leaders or singers or leaders, we elevate them to celebrity status thinking, oh, God is with them, they're famous. Does that make sense? We never, use, we never incorporate idolatry into our gospel message. Paul didn't do that. We should always guard against weaving idolatry and desire into our gospel message. This is not a situation where we say, bring Jesus into your life and he's going to make all your wildest dreams come true. Jesus did not come to satisfy our desires and our wants. He came to meet our need, our truest need our need for a savior. So that's a couple of things we notice that Paul did not do. He didn't angrily smash idols, and he didn't um, water down the gospel message by weaving idolatry and desire into it. But here's what Paul did. Paul adapted his message. He adapted it. His sermon to the Athenians is very different in tone approach than what you would see him preaching to other people in this missionary journey. He changes up his approach. He recognizes how I preach to this group over here is not going to bear fruit if I try it with this group over here. I have to try a different approach. I'm in a different culture. I'm in a different context. He adapts. He contextualizes. He sees idols. He says, I see that you're open to believe in supernatural things. I see that you have a statue for an unknown God. He even quotes their own writers and their own philosophers to them. This gets a lot of debate in our world today about different styles of church, different styles of ministry and preaching, different churches, creative, not so creative, preach right from the Bible, preach more topical, seeker sensitive, all of these things. We never change the message. The message is the same, but we will adapt our approach which is what we see Paul do. And we see that he still hit all the important points in his message. He still talked about one true God. He still talked about our need for a Savior, how Jesus is that Savior, how there is judgment coming. Paul did not shy away from preaching the truth, but he contextualized his approach. So there's different churches. There's different styles of preaching. I recognize I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And you said amen to that, I know. But here's what I celebrate. Anytime the gospel is being preached, whatever culture or context it's in, whatever method is being used, if it's the gospel message and it's being proclaimed, I celebrate that. We don't have to do things like every other church. We celebrate when the gospel is preached. However, I will say this. It has to be the gospel. If it doesn't have Jesus, if it doesn't have salvation, the gospel message of Jesus Christ dying and rising again. And it's not the gospel. It's just a help, uh, self-help speech. But when the gospel is preached, however it is being proclaimed, I celebrate that. We should celebrate that. Right after this, if you read in Acts chapter 18, he moves on to Corinth. Well, that's the group of people he wrote the book of Corinthians to. So I want to read some verses out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul talking about how he changes his approach To to reach as many people as possible. It says this in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 19. Paul says this Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. What does that mean? Well, he goes on, verse 20. To the Jews I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, he's talking about when I'm, when I'm talking to a Jewish believer that believes in the Old Testament law, I'm going to talk in that language to tell them about Jesus. Verse 21. To those not having the law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, when I'm speaking to a Gentile or someone not Jewish, I'm not going to refer to the Old Testament law like I would when I talk to the Jewish people. I'm going to talk in a different context. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel so that I might share in its blessings. Paul is going to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as he can. He will talk in a different way to different people. He will still share the gospel, but he will contextualize it in whatever way. He will use whatever method possible to win as many as possible. This is our approach. This is our heart's desire. We want to do whatever we can as a church to put the gospel message, to put the love of Jesus in any context we can as to win as many people as possible. This is why we're here. This is why we're going to do different ministries, have different fun events, throw awesome parties, because we want to put the love of Jesus in whatever context we can that is going to reach our culture. Notice in what he says to the Corinthians. Nowhere in those verses I just read does it say, I'm just speaking the truth, and if you can't handle it, then who cares about you? That's not his approach. That's not what he is doing. But Paul boldly proclaims. He adapts his message, but he proclaims the truth. He doesn't water it down. There's no shying away from truth in order to keep people from being uncomfortable. So he's not just saying, you know what, I'm going to say whatever I want. If you can't handle it, that's your problem. But he's also not saying, just be nice to people, You know, if they're going to be uncomfortable with the truth, then just don't tell them. Don't say anything that's going to offend them. Okay? So there's a balance there that we, as followers of Jesus, need to find. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says this For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. He recognizes there's an urgency to this gospel message. There should be an urgency in our hearts to share the gospel message. We're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power to save. It is the power of God's salvation to everyone who believes. This is what Paul's journeys were all about. This is what his life was all about. He wasn't traveling the world to see new sights and to do sightseeing and meet new people, to make memories, to have an adventure. He was traveling the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as we do that, we're going to meet lots of great people. We're going to see lots of things. We talked about that last week. But the point of everything Paul did wasn't just for those things. It was to share the gospel so that he could see people saved. This is why you are here. This is why I'm here. This is why Homestead Church is here. You're not just a spectator. You're not just a supporter of those who are doing the ministry. You are doing the ministry. You are a part of the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is why you're here. And sharing your faith, as we're talking about this great adventure life that we have with God, sharing your faith with someone is the greatest adventure you're ever going to have. So let the Spirit provoke you. Look for ways to contextualize and adapt your method Look for ways that you can weave the gospel message into conversations that you're having and confidently proclaim it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be weird and obnoxious. You know, we we don't need more weird and obnoxious Christians. I think all those slots are taken. But we can contextualize our message and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do you contextualize it? How do you adapt your method? Well, here's what I was thinking about this week. Our diversity of life experiences, just in our relatively small congregation, say we have 200 people in our church, that's 200 different contexts of life experience that we've all gone through, that we can use that to share our faith. This is the beauty of the church. We have believers at Homestead Church who have gone through every life experience so that we can weave our stories into our faith and we can contextualize the gospel message by just sharing our life experience with others. So when we meet people who are going through sickness, who have gone through divorce, who are battling depression, who are adopting, who are foster parents, who have faced job loss, who are struggling with kids, who have family members who have attempted suicide, who have had death of a loved one, who have had jobs that fall apart or have uh, different tragedies in their family, who have gone through physical healings, All of these things, we've got someone in our church who's gone through that. So this is why God uses your story. This is why if you have part of your story that you're ashamed over, that you see God bring you through something, that's just God redeeming your story so that you can use that when you meet someone who's going through something just like it. You can say, I have been through it. Let me tell you how I got through it. Let me tell you about what my faith in God did for me. Let me tell you about Jesus who saved my life. This is how we can contextualize the message. We weave a faith perspective into life experiences and we tell others about it. You can do this. We can do this. We can see God reach as many people as possible. This is why we're here. One final thing I want to point out is that Paul did not get discouraged. If you read on, there wasn't all that many people in Athens who believed that day. I think a lot of people just wanted to talk about ideas. They didn't really want to commit to something. They just liked to hear themselves talk. But there were a couple who did, a couple who were named. Some believed, I'm sure there were more than these two, but two that were named in this story. And their eternities were changed. The two that were mentioned One was named Dionysus and he was an elite prominent man. He would have been one of the smart upper echelon society types in the Areopagus talking philosophy. He got saved that day. And there's a woman who got saved named Damaris. Well, in that culture, women were not allowed in the Areopagus. There were no elite thinking, you know, women invited into that group of men. So Damaris was not there for that. So most likely, she was a prostitute. We see her get saved that day. We see her going from a life of shame to new life and victory in Jesus Christ. We see that the gospel message reaches all people, all classes, all backgrounds, all conditions. There's nobody that the gospel cannot reach. And the results as we share our faith are up to God. God is stirring hearts. God is convicting people. Not everyone is going to believe when you share your faith. You don't need to be defeated and discouraged. We just keep spreading the seed of the word of God. We keep casting our net, sharing our faith, and we're going to see God use that to bring people into salvation through Jesus Christ. That's an amazing adventure to be on. I'm in the building today. Several months ago, we were... um, when a lot of the construction people were here, we had different framers here, electricians, plumbers. So there was, a, there was a week when there was a bunch of people working. And so I told them, all the workers here, I said, well, Friday, this Friday, I'm gonna bring you lunch. Um, and so I ordered some wings takeout, Chinese food takeout. Oh, I miss wings, I want them to open up. Um, so I ordered some takeout and I said, Friday at noon, I'm gonna provide lunch. And ultimately, I mean, I, I'd gotten to know some of these guys and really, I think the spirit was stirring in me saying, these guys have spent weeks and some of the months in this building. How big of a shame would it be if they spent all this time here and they didn't know what this building was all about? They didn't know the message. What if this is the only time they're going to hear this gospel message? It would be a shame for them to go through their whole life having spent a month at Homestead Church and nobody told them about Jesus. So I sat down and ate lunch with them and we were shooting the breeze and I just, you know, I just paused for a moment I said hey guys I just want to encourage you with this thank you for building this building thank you for working on this we believe this is more than just a building Um, we know that there's going to be great things but this is a church and so more important than this building is the message that comes out of this building the message of Jesus Christ that he loves all people this is what we're about as a church and I just shared a little bit and it wasn't weird and the guys all you know, or eating (laughs) eating their wings, Chinese food. Probably some of them are like, oh man, where did this come from? But a couple, you know, after I was done, they all said, hey, that's great, thanks for sharing that. One of the guys came up to me later, he's a believer, he goes to a church north of the cities. He said, thanks for sharing that. Um, I just, I let them know. I said, I wouldn't want you guys to be in this building and not know what we're all about. There wasn't an altar call. I don't know what happened of it, but I just wanted to be obedient. I wanted to share my faith. This is the same for your life. God has you in your neighborhood. God has you in your school, in your university, in your workplace. God has you there with people around you. And the same thing applies to them. It would be a shame if they lived next to you or worked with you or went to school with you for those years and never heard what you were all about. Never heard the love of Jesus Christ. So this is what I want us to be encouraged with today. We're here to share our faith. We're here to share our faith, to do whatever we can, to proclaim the gospel boldly, to adapt our message to whatever culture we are in, so that we could win as many as possible. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you gave your son that you reached out so that we could be saved. We are products of the mercy of Jesus Christ, and we are products of somebody sharing that message with us. And so Lord, we wanna do the same thing in our world, in our culture, to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. So we believe it, and we wanna have an urgency about our faith, so help us this week to be able to share with somebody Help us to be sensitive when Your Spirit is provoking us, so we could know we should we should tell our story, we should share our faith, so that we could see people saved through Jesus Christ. And it is in that name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. God bless you.